Hello, welcome to another episode of Papa Bear Hikes. You know, we're always talking about trying to inspire people to get outside, find what they like to do in the outdoors, just get outside and and enjoy taking the the fresh air. There's something out there for everybody. I've said that so many times. Well, today our guest is going to talk about surfing. I'd like to welcome my friend Mustafa to Papa Bear Hikes. Mustafa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, more than more than excited to be here and uh, looking forward to, to this. Mustafa, why don't you uh, start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, my name is Mustafa, uh, as, as, as you mentioned to the to the listeners, um, currently uh, I'm an adjunct lecturer uh, here in California. I uh, I teach kinesiology, which is essentially uh, for those of you who don't know, it's uh, exercise science, um, and there are various subfields within that kind of umbrella term. Um, I'm also a, a doctoral student uh, in the public health field um, and lifelong competitive athlete. So um, hopefully, and surfing is just kind of one of my many uh, different uh, recreational interests uh among many other sports why don't you tell us about what got you start what what got that interest going in surfing for you sure sure absolutely so i've actually been a a, a competitive swimmer um you know as as, as young as five years old uh, that's kind of when i started uh when i started swimming um you know my parents would always put me into swim classes and whatnot uh at, you know the local centers uh that we had nearby you know, one thing led to another um, you know, my brother would always take me to the beach and, you know, we'd go in the water cause we, we felt pretty comfortable. You know, we were pretty decent swimmers. Um, and we just watch, we, we would watch other people getting on their boards and, and, you know, uh, curiosity led to one thing and, uh, we started, you know, getting into it and, you know, we actually started as, uh, as body surfers and a lot of people don't actually know what that is. Um, but you're essentially riding the wave with, not much other than your body um occasionally you'll put on you'll throw on some fins or you know just some light accessory but that's pretty much all you're using um you're timing it kind of you're trying to time it more or less perfectly where you can catch the wave right before it breaks you know paddle um you know take a few strokes and and kind of ride it out um again this is without any type of board or or you know anything that you're standing on for that matter um so that's kind of how i started um in high school, I, uh, I joined water polo, uh, continued to swim. My, uh, my high school water polo coach, he was a, an avid surfer. I mean, he, he grew up walking distance to the beach over in Huntington Beach. Um, you know, he probably could have gone pro if he wanted to. And he continues. I think he's, uh, he's probably in his mid-50s right now. He continues to surf every day, twice a day even, since, uh, since going with the whole remote situation. So um, you know, it doesn't matter if you catch a wave, it doesn't, if you don't catch any at all, or if you catch 10 waves that day, you know, it's, it's all about the effort, uh, you know, and the commitment and, and just having fun. I mean, that's really what it's all about. You know, I've never considered myself, um, a very experienced, uh, surfer. You know, I would still describe myself as novice, uh, despite the, uh, the number of times that I've been out there and the number of waves that I've caught. But, uh, there's always, uh, there's always room to grow and always room, uh, excuse me, room to learn. Right, so it's kind of like fishing. You know, I grew up in New Jersey, and I lived near the Jersey Shore for for quite a while. And yeah, you, you can have good and bad days out there surfing, but it's or good and day, bad days, I should say, catching waves. But every day you're out there on the beach with your board is a good day. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I, I agree with that. Um, you know, and I think people get uh, a little bit discouraged, um, you know, f- for a number of reasons. Uh, but mainly is you know they look at some of the some of the more experienced athletes or the experienced surfers. I mean, and this I'm sure you can kind of agree with this uh, across the board here in any other sport. You know, you you look at some of the the professionals and you're like, oh, I can never get to that level. Um, you know, but it, you don't need to get to that level to have to have a good time. You know, I think. I think just getting past that little uh, that little beginning, the little uh, you know, the little hump where you're still learning how to do everything. That's kind of where where it's important. And after you get past that phase, that's when you can really start enjoying it. All right, we don't have to be experts to have fun. If that were the case, how many of these activities? I mean, I think of things like golf. People who golf, right, who consider themselves lousy golfers, but they're out there every week. Some of them are in leagues. Um, Fishing, you take, like you said, take any of these activities. There's people out there to excel. Some of them excel to a level where they're being paid to do this. It becomes their profession. But you've got to go out there just with the expectations of having fun. At what point did you go from the body surfing into getting your first surfboard? Oh, yeah, that's also a really good question. So I, I think I was uh, using those body boards, um, you know, or some people call them boogie boards um, before I jumped into into surfing. I didn't really get into surfing until high school. I think um, with my aquatics coach, that was really what gave me that that final push to just get out there. Um, you know, even if you don't get on the board, it's fine. Um, you know, he's a very patient coach and very patient instructor. Um, and he has a really good way of just getting you past your your fear, you know, um, painting a picture where you know, you're just kind of more focused on learning and improving in your craft than you are about the end result. Uh, you know, we we talk about it in uh, uh, in kinesiology. It's actually one of the topics in in sports psychology. You know, being task oriented, um, you know, versus outcome oriented right? Some athletes, they just want to master their craft. They're not comparing themselves with anybody else. They want to be better one day than they were the day before, right? Um, whereas, like I said, some, some other athletes, they're just kind of concerned with the outcome. Can I get on the board? Can I catch 10 waves today or not? If I only catch nine, then I failed. And, you know, just uh, I think it's just a kind of a miserable way to go about it. And that's just personal opinion. But All right, learn to enjoy the small successes. And you'll have days when there's big ones, but if you can enjoy the small ones, life could be a lot more fun. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I honestly, you know, once I, once I started, uh, you know, getting on the board, I, uh, you know, I always thought back and, uh, it was a regret of mine, you know, that I didn't, I didn't start doing it sooner, you know, because I really didn't have a reason not to start surfing sooner. I, I always lived near the, near the ocean and I was a pretty good swimmer. Um, but it was just kind of one of those things that, you know, you drive by and you're like, oh, that looks cool, but maybe another time. Yeah, before it's uh, before you know it, you know, time has gone by and you're like, oh, I could have spent that that whole time, uh, you know, having, having fun. Is there any physical training you uh, that you put yourself through to keep yourself prepared for surfing? Is there any like specific type of uh, exercises you would do to or so you would recommend to somebody who, who surfs? Um, first and foremost, uh, probably swimming. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely, definitely continue. Uh, yeah, you, you definitely want to be comfortable, um, comfortable swimming and, and more so you want to be comfortable open water swimming, you know, in the ocean, because that's, uh, that's just a completely different beast. 
um, than swimming in a, in a controlled environment such as an indoor lap pool. Um, you know, the, 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 just the whole environment of open water swimming is a sport in and of itself, you know, completely separate from what you see, you know, Michael Phelps doing and, and some of those other swimmers, right. Um, more often than not, you know, I, I've seen experienced swimmers or at least, you know, they're experienced in a, in a lap type of pool, um, or in a controlled environment, they go out to the ocean and, uh, they just get tumbled one way or another. Next thing you know, the lifeguard is just coming by to get them out of there. Right. So, um, I, I would really, you know, just make sure that you kind of gauge it properly. Don't overestimate your abilities. Um, again, get comfortable, get comfortable in the water. Um, you know, when I, uh, when I took, when I took Chris out, I think that was one of the biggest things that, you know, that we were t- discussing at the very beginning was just, Hey, just go stand in, in the water, feel the, feel the, feel the, feel the wave just crash onto you and see what that feels like, you know, because I guarantee you've never experienced it until it happens. Um, so, so that would be one thing, you know, just getting comfortable and getting experience in the water. Um, obviously, like I said, swimming, swimming with your head above water is also a, a skill, uh, in and of itself. Um, you know, if you're paddling out, um, you know, you're on a surfboard, you need to kind of develop those muscles. It's again, it's different than, than swimming in a lap pool. Um, so those are just some things that you can practice. You can actually get a surfboard or just some type of board, put it in a pool. If you have access to like a community pool and just practice paddling up and down the lane, if you can, I mean, that's, that's definitely good experience. Um, in in terms of, uh, other physical training, um, you know, you definitely want to be conditioned, um, build up your, uh, your cardiovascular endurance, right? Um, cause you don't, the last thing that you want to do is get out there. And then by the time you're out past the wave, you're tired, right? <laughs> um, and lastly, don't focus on, on building too much muscle. I think people get kind of, uh, the wrong impression that, uh, more is always better, but if you sacrifice, uh, you can sacrifice, um, some mobility or flexibility, um, you know, if you're, if you're trying to get, you know, trying to just put on size or trying to put on muscle and that could really hinder your ability in the water to move, you still want to be flexible. You still want to be mobile. You still want to be explosive if possible. You know, those are the kind of things that are going to save you when it comes time. You know, you're looking at a 10 foot wave and it's, it's life or death situation. Yeah. Swimming has always been regarded as one of the best forms of exercise, right? Cause you're, you're working every part of your body when you swim. So, yeah, we, we kind of, you know, laugh a little bit and we say, of course, be a good swimmer, but it does prepare you for everything and without putting on bulk, you're working your entire body. Right. No, yeah, absolutely. I, it's, uh, I think it's one of the, the most uh, underrated, you know, forms of exercise um, and even just swimming in general, people get discouraged. Um, you know, it's a lot similar to surfing. So, and I, I think, you know, don't quote me on this, but this could really be a reason why a lot of folks are discouraged from trying to surf in the first place is they're not comfortable in the water. They don't have very much experience swimming. Um, and you know, the water can be a, a pretty scary place, especially open water. Right. Um, you know, I, don't want to, I don't want um, to, um, you know, paint this picture that you know, you can just get out there and, and, and jump on a board and, and everything will be fine. You know, you really want to develop that, that ability, that confidence to, to, to handle yourself in the water. Yeah, I learned how to swim at a YMCA pool when I was about five. But going down to the ocean soon after that, totally different animal. 
because right? the ocean has a mind of its own. It'll toss and turn you and throw you around. Yeah, you you need. I I think I would think I, I don't surf, but you need to know a little bit about how to read that water too. And you learn that on the boogie board and body surfing, I would guess. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, like you said, um, you know, the ocean makes no apology. You, you know, you're at the end of the day, we're all in 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 uh, in the way of the water, right? It's gonna it's gonna either go around you or it's gonna go through you. You know, but one way or another, it's gonna get to the other side. Um, and you just got to be prepared, you know. Um, the other thing too, uh, I, I forgot to mention is just, uh, you know, working on your ability to breathe and and control your your ability. Um, you know, being able to hold your breath for extended periods of time. I mean, that's a skill in and of itself. Uh, and you know, some of the more experienced uh, surfers, you know, they're they're doing three, four, five minute, you know, breath holds because they might need to hold their breath while they're waiting for a wave to pass by, or if they get hit by a wave and it crashes on top of them, you know, by the time they surface back up, it could take a, you know, a good, good amount of time. So you definitely want to be conditioned in that manner. Um, you know, the last thing that you want to do is get hit by a wave and, uh, and run out of, run out of uh, breath under, while you're underwater. Yeah, because that's what goes through my mind with surfing is you get out there on that board and you're up there and you get tossed from that board and, there could be a wave coming right behind you. And right when you bring your head up to gas for some air, there's another wave coming at you. So yeah, be, I think you have that ability to use that cardio training and knowing how to hold your breath. <laughs> yep. There could be a, yeah. Uh, and there could be another wave coming at you or there could even be another surfer coming at you, you know, and you got to, if you don't have any other, uh, you know, the, the, the time period, you know, between, between the moment you see the board and the, and impact is, is so little that, you know, you're going to react. And uh, more often than not, your reaction is going to be to get out of the way, right? You're going to jump to one way or another, go underwater, whatever the case may be. So um, like you said, you're either avoiding another wave that's about to crash on you or you're getting out of the way for another surfer to go by. Hopefully they're, they're aware of their surrounding, but uh, that's definitely something that every surfer needs to, um, or at least anybody who wants to go out there and try surfing, they need to, they need to have some, uh, some situational awareness. Right. And don't assume that the other people out there can see you or that they're even looking for you. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Just, I mean, just like driving, right. Um, you always want to take, uh, take precautions and never assume anything. Now for somebody that's just starting up, all right, let's assume, you know, you're at, at the beach and some person comes up to you, they could be of any age and they say, hey, I see you surf. How do I get? How do I start surfing? What's what's the first thing I've got to do? Because we've we've touched a little bit on on this. You've talked about acclimating yourself to being in open water. What would be the advice you'd give to that person? Like maybe the first thing you'd say to them. Uh, The first thing, well, I'd ask them if they've ever been in the ocean before. (laughs) Um, You know, just uh, getting comfortable. Like I mentioned before, get comfortable in the water. Um, I, I tend to like to take things kind of slow, uh, and not everybody will agree with me on this. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of, um, you know, more qualified surfing instructors out there. The, you know, the, if they're listening to this, they're probably shouting out like, um, you know, you can do this and that. Uh, like I said, I just like to take things one step at a time. So, um, you know, first get comfortable in the water, whether that's you know in a controlled environment like a pool or in the ocean, right? Uh, preferably do both get comfortable in the water, learn to swim, just get to a comfortable enough level where you can swim. Um, you know, you can get yourself out of trouble if need be. 
right? Um, explore the body surfing option if you want to take things slow. You can either body surf, um, get one of those body boards or boogie, boogie boards, right? Um, I think those really help people when they're learning how to surf. Um, it helps them with learning how to ride and kind of read a wave, right? Because it's one thing to to be able to just jump on a board and let the let the wave do the work for you, right? But if you want to start kind of riding the wave and reading it properly, it's nice to be able to do that at a slower pace. And I think before you stand on a board, uh, it, it's a, it's much easier when you're just laying down on that bodyboard. Um, and then I think the third kind of step would be to see whether or not you can get up on a board. Um, and some I've seen plenty of surf instructors, they'll have you practice on dry land first, right? They'll have you practice on, on the sand, right? They'll have you practice um, standing on the board. Um, they'll have you practice popping up on the board staying low, right? Keeping that center of gravity manageable. Uh, so those are all great, great, uh, ways to just get started. Uh, there are plenty, plenty of YouTube videos out there. I mean, you know, from subject matter experts, they've been teaching this stuff for 20 plus years, right? So that would just kind of be my recommendation. Go out there, watch, see how folks get, get going. Um, you know, watch some, watch some of the experienced, uh, surfers, but also watch some of the novice, uh, surfers you'll see a lot of kids out there you know they're they're always fearless right they're just running out there with the board and um you know they're counting on their ability to just figure things out and more often than not that's what they do they just figure it out well a lot of skill type uh activities i think the younger you start quicker you'll catch on because you don't have that fear factor right you uh i think you know i see kids skiing uh, when they start young right your their mind doesn't always go to the worst case scenario and i think the older you get or the more mature you get the quicker your mind races to the what ifs. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Now you have a lot more, you realize you have a lot to lose if things don't go, uh, if things don't go your way. Um, yeah, yeah. I wish, uh, I wish I still had that mentality of being, being invincible, but we know that's not the case. <laughs> right. Nine or 10 years old. It's just say, like, Hey, that looks like fun. Let me get out there and do it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And they don't, and they don't mind, you know, falling on their ass if that's what happens. And that's, uh, you know, that's actually something that I really admire about the culture. Um, not just surfing, but, you know, a lot of those similar sports, um, you know, skating, uh, snowboarding, skiing, like you said, you know, a, a big part of it is learning how to fall and get back up. If it doesn't work, uh, you know, I try again and I try again and I try again until I get it right. Um, you know, and actually when, when Chris was visiting, uh, you know, we spent some time at the skate parks. He was learning how to skateboard. Uh, and that was one of my biggest uh, or my first piece of advice to him was, you're going to fall on your ass. So, you know, and you have to accept that there's no way around it. You know, you can just, you can manage it, you know, and take, take some precautions ahead of time, but it's going to happen sooner or later. And that's, that's just one thing that I've always admired about that community, you know, whether it's surfing, like I said, or skating is just, they're very, uh, they know that it's okay to, to, to fail nine times. And, uh, the 10th time might be the, t the, the time that it works. We'll be back after a quick break. You ever think about what might be in the water you're drinking every time you fill up your water bottles while you're in the outdoors? I try not to, and I really don't because I use Sawyer water filters. Sawyer filter technology, because of their high standards, every filter is individually tested three times through the process. I've been using the Permethrin product for years now to protect me from, well, quite frankly, ticks, and the Picaridin 
to keep the flies at bay. Don't let bad water, insects, or a tick bite cut your trip short or even ruin it. Use Sawyer products. Go to your local outdoor retailer and ask for Sawyer products, whether it's a water filter, insect repellent, they'll likely to have it. You can also go to Sawyer's website and read more about these incredible high quality products that they offer those of us who enjoy the outdoors. You know, as I said, as you get older and more mature, the what-ifs pop in your mind. I'm thinking about getting a mountain bike, and my only hesitation is I know I'm going to probably fall off that mountain bike a few times, and it's going to hurt at least a couple of times. When I've, maybe, one or, maybe one in every three times it's going to hurt, but you're right. It's about getting back up and saying, okay, you know, this is exp- it's, it, it's part of the activity. Just get back on and keep going. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, don't... Uh, you know, don't get discouraged. Mountain biking, uh, that's, a, that's a beast in and of itself. Uh, you know, it's funny enough, the, the same coach, my aquatics coach, the one who got me into surfing, he's also a, a big-time uh, mountain biker. He's actually sponsored, uh, you know, goes, he goes out to Utah. Um, you know, he's got a vacation home there and uh, plenty, of, plenty of trails for him to ride in. And, uh, you know, he took me mountain biking one time. And uh, I kid you not, we were at you know, going down at a 45 degree angle. And I, I was about to fall down the mountain and I, and I had to get off the bike and just walk the bike down. I mean, I, and that's, I think that's just kind of one thing, you know, your, your ego wants you to just, you know, go for it. And, uh, no, I got this, you know, I'm, I'm an experienced athlete. So if I can do this, then I can do that. But, um, you know, for me, it's a, it's all about, you know, just, uh, avoiding unnecessary risk and, and knowing your limits. Right. Um, if it looks like I'm about to fall, well, there's no reason for me to test it, you know, until, until I get to a level where I'm like, okay, I'm pretty, I'm pretty comfortable now. I'm confident that there's a much less likelihood of, of falling over. Now, you had the sense to realize, you know, the person I'm following here, they're a professional. You know, they're, they're at a much higher skill level than I am. They can do that. I can't. I'm going to walk my bike down. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and I think that goes for, for any sport that you're trying, you know, there, there are risks that you can take and, uh, and you know, that worst case scenario is you'll be okay. You know, if I get hit with a, you know, with a one or two or three foot wave, you know, maybe I swallow a little bit of uh, salt water, but at the end of the day, I'll be okay. Right. But if I fall down this mountain and tumble down several hundred feet, uh, you know, I, I can break, you know, break a number of things and, and, and not make it out. So, um, again, it's just kind of about, you know, uh, measuring or, you know, measuring, weighing out the, the pros and cons and seeing if it's worth it or not. And you'd mentioned surfing instructors. Now are, are surfing instructors readily available when you go into areas where surfing is popular? Like I would say Southern California or Hawaii, could somebody who's visiting there who maybe feels comfortable enough in the ocean decides, you know, I'm going to take some surf le- surfing lessons. Is that a thing? Can that happen? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, I know sometimes the, uh, you know, the state, uh, state lifeguards will put on classes. Um, other times just local, um, you know, companies, they have, they even cater to tourists. Um, uh, you know, I, I know that in Hawaii, they do that. I, I don't know if, I don't think Southern California necessarily caters to to tourists but they definitely have classes going on all the time i had a friend of mine uh in san francisco she took uh i I think she she found like a group on surfing course it was three lessons um and she's been surfing this was two years ago um wow it's been two years right the beginning of the pandemic um 
she took the three the three class uh, surfing uh, course, and she's been surfing maybe four or five times a week ever since. You know, just going out there and getting better at it, and 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 working on it. So, I, I definitely think there's a there's a benefit to taking those classes. Um, if you can definitely, if you can afford, you know, to take those classes, I, I always recommend you know folks take those classes. Same thing goes with with anything else, really. You know, um, sometimes classes. I think people kind of overestimate the cost for some of these things, but you can find local classes, community classes. Um, I know community colleges in Southern California offer offer surfing classes. Um, I, I know this because I've taken them, um, and they just meet at the beach, right? Um, so that might be another uh, another route to take um, if you're nearby, um, or if, like you mentioned, if you're a tourist and you're visiting, you know, Southern California, Florida, Hawaii. I, I'm I'm more than confident that you'll find some of those some of those classes, and they're not as expensive as you might think. I, I would be surprised. Um, if they cost over a hundred dollars for, you know, three to five lessons, um, you know, they're, they're really not that, that, uh, that expensive alternatively too, you could also find, uh, you know, just find one of the locals, you know, maybe offer them, uh, offer them cash or something, you know, see you, Hey, you know, uh, do you surf here often? You know, would you be willing to give me, you know, maybe a lesson or two, help me out, you know, just give me some pointers. It's, it's a, it's a pretty inviting community. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there are definitely plenty of folks out there. They know, they remember what it's like getting on their first board, getting out there for the first time. And I think nine out of 10 times, they're more than willing to help you out. They'll give you a tips. Um, they might say, stay out of my way, but, um, you know, aside from that, they'll definitely, uh, they'll, they'll definitely help you out. You know, th- at the very least, they don't want to, they don't want to see you injure yourself, but they also don't want to see you injure anybody else, including them. So yeah, it's not like you've just got to go down to the beach and teach yourself. I mean, you could, like you said, you find a group of surfers, they're approachable, talk to them. Or I would think with these classes, it looks like it's fun. And this always goes through my mind when I'm, when I'm considering a new activity, it looks like fun, but I might not like it once I start doing it. That's so when you talk about a hundred dollars to take a surfing lesson, well, that's got to be a lot cheaper than just buying a surfboard, going down and trying it and finding out you don't like it. And then after you've spent money on a surfboard. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Um, you know, the the lessons often do, like you said, they, they, they will provide you with everything that you need. You know, they might have a wetsuit for you to borrow. They'll have a surfboard for you to use. Um, and like, it's just a good way to, you know, not make a long term, uh, you know, uh, commitment uh, until you find out that it's really something that you want to do and i think that's 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 what my friend ended up doing for her three courses she just rented everything that she needed once she found out that hey i really like this i'm going to stick to it then she went out and bought you know a, a legitimate surfboard but yeah i think the courses um there's i forget who who said it, who said this but um there's somebody who was mentioning like you know somebody who's swimming um, you, you don't want to wait, uh, until you're drowning to start looking for swim lessons, right? At that point you need a lifeguard, right? Um, so it's kind of one of those things where, you know, d- do a little bit of homework, uh, you know, get the training that you need ahead of time. Um, you don't want to wait until it's too late, you know, until you pass that kind of window of opportunity. So what kind of financial investment would somebody be looking at who is now taking that step? They've decided I enjoy this activity. I'm going to buy a surfboard. I mean, obviously you need a bathing suit, but I can't think of much equipment 
outside of the surfboard you would need. So, so depending on where you're at, right. Um, like geographically, right. Um, you might need to, to purchase a wetsuit. Um, there are definitely days, you know, out here where it gets cold enough, the water is 55 degrees. I know up North, you know, a majority of the year you need a wetsuit. Um, and wetsuits, they can get pretty pricey, but at the same time, if you know how to shop, if you're one, you know, if you're a smart shopper and you like, and you can research, um, you can definitely find good deals. Um, you're looking at spending maybe two, $300 on a wetsuit. That's going to last you a good amount of time. If you take care of it the way that you're supposed to, there's no, there's no reason why it wouldn't last you several years. You know, I'm talking about three years at least. Um, I know I've had my wetsuit probably going on five years now. Um, and it works just fine. So it just depends on how, how much, how much, um, how much usage you're getting out of it. Right. Um, so, uh, the wetsuit itself, again, you're looking at two, three hundred dollars. I mean, I've seen wetsuits up upwards of a thousand dollars. You know, it just depends on how much how much you're willing to spend. Um, but definitely not for somebody who's starting out. I wouldn't recommend going that route. Um, there's also uh, more often than that, you'll find used wetsuits, um, which it's not about a bad route to take either. Um, if you're comfortable doing that, um, sometimes, like you said, people will jump in. You know. Uh, too fast, too soon. They'll buy everything that they need. And then they realize, you know, I don't really like surfing or I really don't have the time to surf. Um, or I, I've had this for three years and I've only used it once. Right. Um, so they just end up, they end up selling their used stuff, but it's, it's practically new still. Um, but you can often get it for at a, at a pretty, pretty good discount. So that might be something to consider, you know, look on Craigslist or, um, the, the new Facebook, uh, marketplace, right. Uh, to find some of those some of those used items. Uh, the same thing will goes with the surfboard. However, uh, it's a lot trickier to pick up a used surfboard. And the only reason I say that is because uh, if you're a, if you're kind of new to the surfing world, um, chances are you probably won't recognize a good board from a bad board, right? It's oftentimes they might have some damage in them. Um, they might have some patches. They've they've been broken and fixed and, you know, just used, worn, torn, whatever the case may be. Right. Um, and you're just at that point, you're just not well equipped to, to identify, you know, what's a good deal and what's not. So unless you're purchasing it used from a store where it comes with some type of guarantee or warranty, or, you know, somebody who can pick one out for you, I, I would avoid going that route. Um, you can definitely buy what they call, um, they're kind of like beginner beginner boards. Um, I know like Costco has them. You can get them online on Amazon. Um, they're called WaveStorm, and they're essentially just fo- they're made out of foam, right? Um, but they tend to be on the cheaper end. Um, you know, I think south of two hundred dollars. Uh, I think that's a pretty good place to start, especially because it's a longer board. It's a wider board. Um, they're about eight feet long. Um, so, and that's actually something that we didn't really touch up on, but. There are sizes of boards, depending on your level of experience, it's going to differ from one person to another. Uh, but those are generally good boards to start with. Those uh, those longer boards, again, they're they're called Wave Storms. Uh, it's a soft top. Um, they're about eight feet long. They're a little bit wider, so it makes it a lot easier to stand up on it. And you, you, but the thing with those boards, though, is you're not going to be able to kind of ride the wave uh, left and right the way that you watch some of these professionals doing, right? You're essentially just standing up and letting the wave do the work, the rest of the work for you. It's just going to take you straight forward. 
because the board is so long, it just doesn't have that maneuverability. Um, as you progress and get a little bit better, then you'll start kind of experimenting and getting going into smaller and smaller boards where you can actually, you know, carve left or right into the wave and, and, and ride it out, you know, the way that you see some of the more experienced surfers doing. Well, that was going to be my next question, Mustafa, was that with a lot of activities, the better you get, uh, the more knowledge you have, you start realizing, okay, I want to get this piece of equipment because I can have a little bit more control or do this. Uh, so that with that prices go up, of course, but the other thing I have no knowledge of surfboards, but you know, somebody, let's just say, you know, a female that may be five or five foot four weighs 120 something pounds is going to walk into the store and buy a surfboard. And the guy, her boyfriend goes in and he's maybe six foot four and weighs 240 pounds. They're not buying the same surfboard. That's my guess, right? They'd probably be looking at their, is, is there any, maybe I'm on the wrong track on this, but. Are, are the boards sensitive to the size of a person? Is that something that's looked at when you're buying a surfboard? Yes. Uh, the short answer is yes. Um, it definitely is something to consider. Uh, funny enough, though, both uh, both of the surfers that you mentioned in the example, uh, you know, whether you're five foot four or you're six foot two, you can probably still get on a on an eight foot uh, board, uh, especially if you're a novice. Um, the board itself, it just depending on the size of it, right, um, and, and the weight, it just makes it either easier or more difficult to, to get up on, right? Uh, you'll see, you know, uh, plenty of surfers who are, you know, well into their, uh, I don't know, 60s, 70s. I've even seen, you know, some surfers in their 80s are still going out there and surfing. Um, you know, they're they're depending on some of these longer boards because what it, what it allows is it gives you more time to stand up and catch the wave right whereas a, a shorter board the the shorter the board the the less time that you have to get up on top of the board before that wave is going to take you out there um so going back to your question you know these two individuals if they're novice they can both benefit from an eight foot board but as you again as you kind of get better and start figuring stuff out start figuring out some of these boards uh, you're going to start you know, realizing that, Hey, I like this one a lot more than I like this one. Or, you know, today the waves are looking one way over another and, uh, you might have a, a more appropriate board depending on the wave, uh, and just the, the condition of the, of the ocean that day. So that's also another factor to consider. All right. And again, going back to the idea that with knowledge, with experience, you, be, you start to become more sensitive to the equipment you have and saying, okay, I, right. I want to, buy something that's going to maybe challenge my skill level or allow me to maybe up my game a bit. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, I think it's the same in probably any, any type of active other activity that you're going to do. Right. Uh, I'm sure the, the case is similar, uh, you know, in hiking or, you know, mountain climbing or, um, mountain biking, like you were mentioning, right. You're, you're going to have your different classes of equipment. Um, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't know the first thing about hiking, so this is more your area of expertise, but I'm sure you have, you know, different types of bags that you're going to use, right, for different activities. Is that correct to assume? Oh, absolutely. And that's what, you know, as, as you're talking, that's what's going through my mind. Yeah, you know, my wheelhouse is backpacking, right? If somebody came to me wanting to get into backpacking, I wouldn't say go out and buy a $500 backpack. You know, I'd maybe say borrow somebody's backpack or there are some 
quality entry level packs you could start with. And it's not uncommon for through hikers to start with one level of gear, like maybe on the the entry level of quality gear. At some point during your hike, they're buying better gear. They're realizing, okay, the tent I started with was okay, but I really, it would behoove me to get this one instead. Maybe it's lighter or it sets up easier. Right, right. And depending on the, the, the size of your party, right, would that also be another factor to consider? You know, oh, absolutely. I've heard stories of, you know, guys, you know, that are six feet getting a solo tent. And then, you know, within a few weeks, they're realizing, gee, I got stuck crammed in this one person tent for two days because it poured and I couldn't hike. And and, they, and then they're buying a two person tent because they come to the realization that, you know, if I'm stuck in a two person tent, tent, at least I can move around a little bit. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That's that's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I you know honestly, I think I was chatting with Chris about this. Uh, I, I I haven't had very much experience, you know, uh, backpacking or hiking, uh, you know, but it's definitely been something that I've been wanting to get to get into. Uh, you know, he and I were discussing uh, the Pacific Crest Trail, and uh, I know that last year we had missed kind of our window to to to, to start putting a plan together, but. Uh, do, you, do what, what kind of not to change not to switch subjects on you but just very briefly here um you know what's what's something that you would tell uh you know a, a novice such as myself who wants to get into backpacking you know what's the first thing that you might advise them to do go on and overnight you know there's people where their first backpacking trip could be one of the big trails and some people can do that successfully but i would tell you Find a buddy to hike with, and they don't even really need to be all that experienced. And and like the surfing community, you talk to backpackers, they're going to be very friendly, very helpful, and you may even find people that can loan you gear. I would say don't go out and spend a lot of money on gear. Look to borrow as much gear as you can when you're starting out. And there's just tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of YouTubes out there. Some of them are very good. Some of them are not so good, but there's so many resources at our fingertips right now to learn. I would say find something close to home in an environment that you're used to and go spend a night, go do an overnight camping trip, backpacking trip. And you'll come back and say it was either fun or, you know, that whole idea of sleeping on the ground and cooking our food or hiking 10 miles in the rain. That really sucked. I don't want to do this again. Uh, Because, you know, we talked about, you know, the whole falling down mentality, right? You're going to fall down. You better get back up. Well, in backpacking and hiking, hiking through rain and bad weather, that's your falling down pretty much, right? You can, you can be out there for several days. So you need to figure out, can you deal with what some people call the suck factor when things aren't going well? So yeah, my advice would be do an overnight. If you like it, then try to plan some more trips Mm -hmm. and try to build yourself up maybe into doing two nighters, maybe a week long trip, find your comfort zone for some people. That long through hike, hiking the PCT or the AT, just not their thing. Just, but they love doing one and two night backpacking trips, which is fine too. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to reach out to Chris see if we can maybe plan something for the for the next summer. That'll be kind of a good goal to have. But you you mentioned something uh, that I think I forgot to to point out. Um, you know about uh, about gear. I, I, yeah, you know, I apologize for for overlooking that, but you, you can definitely borrow everything that you need from somebody else. I, I know most of the surfers that I know they usually have two or three boards at home, 
um, or, you know, the more experienced ones, because they, they essentially have a board for every occasion, you know, every type of condition that they're going to go out there. Um, uh, I, I know my, my aquatics coach, for example, I mean, he, he knows how to find good deals and, uh, you know, he, he's really good at that. So at any given point in time, he's got five to 10 wetsuits hanging in his garage. He's got five to 10 boards. You know, anybody who wants to go borrow one can go borrow everything that they need. Um, so I think, like you said, you know, similar to the backpacking community, uh, if you find uh, yourself getting introduced to, to the surfing community, you know, they, they might, you know, it might be a little bit different with surfboards because, again, some of them get a little pricey and they don't want to risk it. You know, even the smallest ding can, you know, mess up the board and decrease the value. But um, you never know. They might have something available for you. So that might just be, be another route to consider. I'll say this, Mustafa, if you borrow one of my backpacks, it's not going to be my best one. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> yeah, figuring people enough. with surfboards are probably the same one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I've got this one city because, you know, I, I'm the same way. I've probably got, I think I have five backpacks and, and I've already, and in the past two years, I think I've sold two or three and gave one away to, Chris has one of them now too. Um, I kept, I'm holding on to a couple of them just in case somebody like yourself wants to join me on a trip or says, hey, I want to get into backpacking. I have a, a reserve here for that, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm listening to you talking about the surfboards. And the first thing that ran through my head is, no, I'm not going to let you borrow Nemo tent to go on your first trip. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're getting that one. That's like, you know, it'll keep you dry and that's about it. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah. You'll get what you need out of it and not, and not anything more. <laughs> Mustafa, do you have a favorite place to surf? You know, favorite location or where you live? Is there, do you have like a beach that you go to on a regular basis to, to surf? Uh, favorite location. That's a, that's a good question. I mean, it's really hard to, um, to find uh, a lot of areas that compare to Huntington beach. I mean, that's, I mean, that place is dubbed surf city, USA. Um, you know, all they have their annual, um, uh, you know, surf competition there, uh, every year, you know, the best surfers from all around the world come over just to, just to catch some of those waves. Cause they're not going to find them anywhere else. Um, uh, so I, I think that would kind of be my, my local spot, but unfortunately right now, you know, since, since moving to Los Angeles County, I, I haven't been able to get out there as, as often as I used to or as often as I would like, but that's kind of, I think that would kind of be my, my go-to spot. Any rock stars in the surfing community that you look up to? And this is always a funny thing because people don't think of these activities as having professionals. You know, there's professional backpackers, believe it or not. Do you have a professional surfer that you follow or that you look up to? Yeah, it's funny that you say that, uh, that nobody knows, uh, you know, these kind of uh, sports, I mean, surfing in particular, right? Um, that they have uh, rock stars, like you mentioned before, with back, backpacking. Yeah, I think swimming is is similar too. I mean, I, I don't think people would know very much about it if it wasn't for Michael Phelps, you know, and if it wasn't for for all his accolades, uh, you know, people wouldn't know who he is either. Um, you know, again, I, I unfortunately I, I don't I don't uh, really keep up with uh, the professional surfing world uh, probably as much as I should, um, but. You know, uh, Kelly Slater is is kind of regarded as one of the all time great greatest uh, in the surfing community. Um, I I like to kind of compare him to Tony Hawk. Um, he, you know, it's I think he's he's probably won the uh, the World Surfing uh, Championship nine or ten times, maybe eleven times now, right? So he's definitely solidified himself in in that world. And uh, I don't know if he's retired now. He might be, but. 
he's definitely one of those person, um, one of those people. Also, there's another one in the community, uh, Laird Hamilton. Um, though he's never he's never actually competed, um, he's just always been very much against uh, competition. He doesn't like he doesn't think that it's nice to be judged by somebody else. Um, but he's definitely um, known in the community as a big time big wave surfer, maverick surfer. Um, I mean, you're talking about, I, I don't, I couldn't even tell you how, how big the, the biggest, uh, wave that he's surfed. He's actually a pioneer in the industry. Like he's actually developed, um, uh, he's developed equipment that helps people with big, big wave surfing and, uh, and toe and surfing. Well, Mustafa, I want to thank you again for agreeing to come on the podcast and sharing your surfing experience with us and, hopefully inspiring other people to go out and, and try this exciting activity. Thank you again so much for having me. No, I, uh, I again, I'm uh, genuinely uh, appreciative of the, of the opportunity and uh, yeah, I, I hope, uh, I've hope I've, uh, you know, inspired some of the listeners to, to get out there and uh, give surfing a, a chance. Uh, if not that, I mean, just, you know, this is something that I always tell my undergraduate students. Uh, so, so many of them, you know, they're 18, 19 year olds, who just graduated high school, you know, they're starting their journey in kinesiology. And, and more often than not, I, I pose this question to them. I ask them, you know, what, what, what sort of sports have you played in the past? Uh, you know, I, I get the typical answers. When I was a soccer player. I was a basketball player, et cetera. And I ask them all, you know, do you still play those sports? Do you still practice? Uh, and more often than not, they say no. Uh, you know, I don't know what the reason being. Um, it could be, it could be injury. It could be burnout. Um, but it's just kind of it's more more so that they don't have the opportunity anymore because they were doing that sport with their school right or their local community and uh, the opportunity has just since disappeared and, and it uh, it always saddens me to hear that you know I, I I don't think there's ever an age where you need to stop doing the things that you enjoy doing and there's never an age where you know it's it's too late to try something new you know and even even when I ask them, you know, uh, I, I always get the comment from them, you know, like, oh, I've always wanted to skateboard, but uh, I'm, I'm too old now. You know, I'm like, well, you're, you're 20 years old. Like, what do you mean you're too old? So, I, I, you know, I, I hope, uh, you know, I, I hope some, some folks here, like I said, listening uh, are encouraged to just go try, try something new, learn a new sport, you know, do it in a safe manner. Um, I'm sure you'll be able to share my LinkedIn um, with any of the listeners. If they want to get a hold of me, more than happy to chat. You know, whatever, whatever they're you know they're interested in getting involved in. If I don't know the answer, I, I could certainly point them in the right right direction. Um, anything that they've always you know had had their mind on on just starting, whether it's uh, mountain biking or surfing, you know, skateboarding or you know weightlifting, whatever the case may be. So more than happy to help in any way that I can. All right, Mustafa, we'll make sure we put a uh, link in the description and uh, so, so people can can take you up on that. Again, thanks. Best of luck, and I, I hope you get out and get a lot of surfing done this year. You're in Southern California, so it's beautiful there year-round, and you know, hopefully we'll have you back on sometime and we can talk about some of the other topics that you're very knowledgeable in. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Um, I hope I get out there as well. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right, everybody. Make sure you go check us out at PapaBearHikes.com. Check out the new YouTube channel, Martin Outside. Everybody, get outside, have some fun, and be safe. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please feel free to leave a review. 
you found it helpful or useful or just entertaining, let us know. We can be contacted at PapaBearHikes at gmail.com or check us out at PapaBearHikes01 on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Get outside and have a great day. This episode of Pop Bear Hikes has been brought to you by Avalon Publicity. Avalon Publicity, increasing the digital footprint of content creators and skilled professionals via website development and social media services. For more information about Avalon Publicity, go to their website, avalonbusiness.org. That's avalonbusiness.org.